As we begin this morning's um, sermon, the, the message this morning, I, I want to start, like we're going to get there to the passage, but I want to start with some updates about our church, almost a miniature um, state of the union of sorts. So first off, I'll just say all of our staff are still employed and we're working hard. I talked with several pastors last week from around the country and all of their lives and ministries are crazy right now, which made me feel a little bit better that um, we're not necessarily or I'm not necessarily doing pastoral ministry wrong as it feels so crazy here. Um, For every three phone calls I make, there feels like there's 10 more I wish I would have made. And I'll say it makes me happy as well that David McHale, our connections pastor that we hired, I think it was March 8th, which just feels like might as well be eight months ago, but it was only uh, not even eight weeks ago. It was about four or five, six maybe. Um, He's still hired and he's finishing his ministry strong there in New Hampshire He's going to wrap up around the beginning of May, move here middle of May, and begin work with us um, around June 1st. And so that's a good thing, something to be happy and excited about. Um, He's even been able to attend because we're doing all of our pastor-elder meetings remotely, kind of via Skype or Zoom, whatever it is we're using. Uh, David's been able to jump in those and pray with us and feel uh, a part of the team, which he very much is. As far as um, giving and tithes and offerings, thank you to those who have been sending them in either online or by check. Giving for the last two weeks has been very strong, and so our church is doing really well. We did pause on some of the improvements we were planning to do at our church, um, like the basement renovations. Um, Those have paused. We've been doing a little bit of that work, but... but, um, I really did, I had hoped we would have finished it by June, and that's not going to happen. But whenever construction resumes in Pennsylvania, hopefully we'll be ramping those up again. Um, Like at work, um, home has been crazy. Uh, I've loved not going back out in the evenings for work, even though there's been work in the evenings. It's just been kind of remotely through um, that little web camera that sits at the top of my uh, computer, but, but having no practices or recitals and all that craziness uh, of a big family uh, has slowed down, and so we're at home, and there's a goodness to that, but I will say it's also been hard, probably like the same for many of you. Uh, we have six kids who are at home all the time, which is difficult for my wife. It's wonderful, but difficult, because she's got little kids. Um, one of them, we're potty training, and that's going great because we're not going anywhere. That's the hardest part of potty training is you leave the house, but we're just there, or they're there. Um, but we also have four kids home from school who need tablets and computers and a first grader who's doing Zoom calls and, uh, with her teacher and her class, and that's great, but it's also overwhelming. And so if you feel like that, just know you have a sympathetic and understanding pastor. As for the members and attendees at our church, um, our leadership has been reaching out and, and trying as best as we can to, to listen and check in. Um, there was a younger uh, member of our church who was a part of our church and now is away at school most of the time, but she did have the coronavirus. It seems like turned the corner and everything's uh, doing much better than it was, but it was hard for a little bit. We don't know of any other confirmed cases, although we have two healthcare workers who um, seem like they're showing symptoms, and so there's, there is a heaviness there. But many of our older members, um, I don't know, at least our church doesn't know of anybody yet, but for as few um, as are affected, 
From a healthcare standpoint, there are many more who are affected financially, and their businesses have been um, utterly upended. Um, a, a good number of people have been laid off, and so there's, a, there's certainly a heaviness with that. If you feel that way, you are not alone. On a happier note, I'll say um, there have been a number of weddings and uh, babies that have been born. So I officiated two weddings in the last few weeks, um, but even those were tinged with sadness. Uh, the vendors weren't there. The, the, uh, the wedding party was reduced. Basically, just uh, the parents were there. No grandparents, no family, no brothers and sisters, no friends um, were invited. It was just a very, 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 very small. And yet I do think even in the smallness of the wedding, God was honored in a really beautiful way. Um, there have been three babies who have been born since all this craziness started. As far as I know, the babies are in families and moms are doing well. Uh, tomorrow there's a due date for another baby and uh, a few more in the next few weeks. It's a scary time to go to a hospital. But as far as I know, things are going well. And we're thankful for the Lord's gracious provision in all of that. Um, last things here, just people-wise, I've been checking in with and our church has been checking in with the 25 or 30 healthcare workers that call this church home. And uh, they seem to be doing well, although there's a stress and, again, a weariness and, and even anxiety of what it means to care for people. But, but we are so thankful uh, that they're a part of our church and a part of our community. With respect to sermons, um, I'll say that through Lent, we've been teaching through the Psalms of Lament, which are the sad songs in the Bible. And we mentioned that there's something like 50 of these psalms of lament. So I thought, you know, just somewhat jokingly, there's 50 of them, 50 weeks in a year. Let's just keep going all year. <laughs> uh, we'll do all sad songs for a year, which um, uh, would make for a very long year. We are not going to do that. Um, but what we did have planned was many months ago, we had planned to lead, um, I had planned to lead us through a short series, two short series, one on the church and then another on Sabbath. That one on the church, we we're going to do baptism, membership, and the Lord's Supper. And it makes sense to do none of those because we're not meeting together physically. And we need to meet together physically to, to, to practice membership and baptism and the Lord's Supper. So we're going to put that on the shelf and wait. Uh, we were talking about whether it made sense to still do the short series on the Sabbath. And as we were talking and praying about that with our pastor elders, uh, one of the pastor elders said, I've never been so rested in my whole life. And so uh, that's not how I feel at all, but I know that many of you feel that way. So we're going to save that one for later as well. So that's a long introduction to say that what we will spend our time on for the next six weeks is the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer divides neatly into six short phrases, or even sentences. And so with all that said, please follow along with me as I read from Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 13. That's the introduction to the Lord's Prayer. And then it's the Lord's Prayer itself. I'm going to read that, and then we'll pray that the Lord would be our teacher. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. 
But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then verse 9, the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's word. Thanks be to God for it. Would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, we begin this prayer and we begin this sermon series Addressing you as Father. Lord, I pray that that truth, that you are a heavenly Father who has adopted us into your kingdom through Jesus, that truth would not be an abstract or distant reality, but it it would be something that warms our hearts, that we are not spiritual or cosmic orphans. You have set your affection upon us because of the work of Jesus Christ. Encourage us with these truths this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer as recorded in Matthew chapter 6. And that will be true across all of the next six weeks. But when Luke, another gospel writer, um, introduces this prayer in his gospel, he tells us that the disciples came to Jesus asking that he teach them to pray. Think about that. Why would you ask someone, anyone really, to teach you to do something? You'd ask someone to teach you to do something because the person has experience or expertise in a certain area. You ask people to teach you what they excel at. And Jesus excels at many things. He walked on water, turned water to wine, raised the dead, cast out demons. And I'm sure the disciples wanted to learn about these things too. But Jesus, at least at this moment in the Gospels, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them about prayer. They did this because the disciples saw in Jesus a relationship with the Heavenly Father that they wanted to have too. So they asked. And Jesus gave them the Lord's Prayer, which was to be a blessing for them. But prayer is a funny thing, though. Prayer is to be a blessing, of course, and it is to us. But for many prayer, or for many people, prayer comes with difficulty. I heard a pastor say once to a group of other pastors that if our prayers, if, if, if the majority of our prayers are public prayers rather than private prayers, then our pastoral ministry is headed for trouble. That can't be sustained long term, he said. 
Public prayer, he said, should be the overflow of a life of private prayer with the Father. I'll tell you that that statement haunts me. While most of us are not pastors in full-time ministry, I know that many of you struggle to pray in the way that you know you ought. If most of your prayers are what might be called mealtime prayers, something is off. Breakfast prayers, lunch prayers, dinnertime prayers that are spoken with haste before you get on to doing the things you really want to do. If that's you, and that's many of us, that's a problem. And there are consequences. When we don't know, I'll say there are the consequences, when we don't know that we have the affection of our Heavenly Father, when we don't have a a relationship with God that's real and vibrant, we'll scramble to find that affirmation in a thousand other ways. That's what we see here in this passage. In the background to the Lord's Prayer, Jesus describes people who are hungry for affection. And because they don't have the lasting love of the Heavenly Father, they seek to get the fleeting reward of the applause of men. They give, Jesus says, to be seen by men. They pray, Jesus says, to be seen by men. And then, in each case, Jesus says, they have, quote, received their reward. They gave, and people clapped. They prayed, and people were impressed. They built impressive sandcastles, but high tide just washes it all away. Jesus calls them hypocrites. Now, hypocrite first refers to those who in Greek theater played different roles. They were this role here and that role there. But these churchgoers, they they play the role of the righteous. But inwardly their souls are sour milk. Jesus mentions also what he calls the way of the Gentiles. Some passages or some versions of the Bible translates Translate this as the way of the pagans. It's the idea that to get to God, you have to get his attention through repetition. Jesus isn't against repetition in prayer. In fact, in Luke chapter 18, he teaches a parable where the whole point of the parable is that we ought to pray and never give up, even if that means saying the same things to God. In fact, we also see Jesus in um, the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he's arrested. He's praying with repetition. So repetition isn't wrong. But what is he then condemning? Jesus is condemning what took place in a story in the Old Testament and took place in many other contexts. I think of the story of 1 Kings 18 and the prophets of Baal. Baal was just one of the many pagan gods in the local surrounding communities that sadly was often brought into Israelite worship as well. In the story, to get their God's attention, the worshipers shouted and they danced. They even began to cut themselves and bleed to get their God's attention. False pagan religion was cruel and bloody. It still is. Maybe you know something of this exhaustion of trying to get the Heavenly Father's attention. Every year around Father's Day, my social media feed will have several people sharing a scene from the 90s television show 
the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, maybe an obscure reference for some of you, maybe others of you know the television show well. Will Smith um, lives with his uncle Phil because his own father, in the show at least, abandoned Will. And so he lives with his uncle Phil. And then there's this one episode where uh, Will's father comes back into the show until he's gone again. He abandons Will again. And there's this powerful scene. His uncle Phil, as his father walks out, says, I'm sorry. You know, if there was anything I could, and he begins to say, and Will says, you know what? You ain't got to do anything, Uncle Phil. It ain't like I'm five years old, you know. It ain't like I'm going to be up every night asking my mom, when's daddy coming home? Who needs him? Hey, he wasn't there to teach me how to shoot my first basket, but I learned, didn't I? And I got pretty good at that too, didn't I, Uncle Phil? Phil says, yeah, you did. And Will says, got through my first date without him, right? I learned how to drive. I learned how to shave. I learned how to fight without him. I had 14 great birthdays without him. He never even sent me a card. They go back and forth, and then Will begins to shout, No, you know what, Uncle Phil? I'm going to get through college without him. I'm going to get a good job without him. I'm going to marry me a beautiful woman and have me a whole bunch of kids and I'll be a better father than he ever was. And I'm sure, i sure I don't need him for that because I, um, he says, I ain't, there ain't a thing he could ever teach me about how to love my kids. And then there's this long pause and Will starts to cry. And he says, how come he don't want me, man? And Uncle Phil just reaches over and grabs him and gives him this huge fatherly bear hug as Will continues to sob. Just, how come he don't want me? It's a powerful scene. You know, some people think it's one of Will Smith's best. And Beneath the hard exterior in Will's life, the longing for fatherly affection throbbed. I don't know whether you have the love of your heavenly, or excuse me, your earthly father or not. And I don't know what consequences there are in your life for good or for ill because of the relationship with your father. But I know that the love of the heavenly father is for you. If you want it, we all need it. We'll have six weeks to spend on this passage. So this week, I just want to introduce this passage to you. The opening phrase is, Our Father in Heaven. The love of the Heavenly Father is not a sandcastle that high tide washes away. Through thick and thin, better and worse, through richer and poorer, sickness and health, Virus and unemployment, life and death, the love of the Father for His children holds. It was purchased in the covenant blood on the cross and was ratified in the Son's resurrection. That's what you need to know as we start our sermon series in the Lord's Prayer. This last week at lunch, I had a video conference with anybody at church who wanted 
to jump on, and a few of you did. I'll be doing it every Wednesday at 12 o'clock until, uh, I guess, summertime. And on that call, I just asked people about their association with the Lord's Prayer, what it was like if they heard it growing up in church, if they went to church, or perhaps said it as a family. And there were different reactions to the Lord's Prayer growing up. Um, it was similar to the reactions, honestly, some of you have when you come to our church building and you looked at the painted glass windows. You know, some of you, you, you look at the painted glass windows or you think about the Lord's Prayer and it reminds you of church growing up, which means you hate them. <laughs> you hate the windows and you hate the Lord's Prayer because it just reminds you of dead, lifeless religion. It reminds you of what it means to be exhausted trying to earn the favor of your Heavenly Father. It's ugly and bloody and it doesn't work. For others, the ornate windows or the Lord's Prayer, it reminds you of um, church growing up and life, uh, a relationship with God that's warm and beautiful and loving and leads to joyful obedience. I, I don't know where you fall on that spectrum, but I hope that as we study this prayer together, God will draw near to you And your relationship with Him will deepen in wonderful ways. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this good news of the Gospel. That not because of what we have done, but what Your Son did on the cross, through His death and then through His resurrection, we can have a life with You that's beautiful. I pray that You would encourage our hearts with Your fatherly care this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.